Hey, it's Michael, and welcome to another podcast episode. Before I get into today's episode, we wanted to make an offer to you. If you go to firmsconsulting.com, you will see a pop-up or you'll see a place to add in your email address or you can register on the Firms Consulting website. If you register onto that website, you get put into an exclusive list. And what you get in that exclusive list is samples of the content we have available to FC Insiders. So that said, I hope you enjoy today's episode. Today's post is about placing what we call the impossible student. And we mean impossible. On paper, this candidate doesn't seem to have a very, very strong profile. If you look at it from a very, what I call, cliched way of looking at consulting profiles, we'll show you how we analyzed her profile and why we came up with the decision that she's actually a strong candidate and what we looked for and how we developed her. I think a lot of the techniques we use to develop are kind of counterintuitive and why we came up with the conclusion that she's actually a strong candidate. But on paper, she was quite likely an impossible candidate. For example, she had gone to one of the most elite finishing schools to study the ballet, a master's level. I'm not going to name the school and so on. I'm going to call her Svita. She's Russian, but I'm going to change her name so to protect her identity. And I'm also going to change a few other details about her, but nothing material. So she had worked for four years as a professional ballet performer in a touring company somewhere in Europe. She was very good, obviously, at what she did. Her profile was like nothing we typically see. I mean, it's all about the arts and her work, starting from the age of three or four, learning how to perform in the arts and then studying in Eastern Europe in Romania, and then learning how to be an outstanding ballerina. She then studied in a French school, did a master's, and then continued to perform as a ballerina in a touring company. Didn't have very strong extracurriculars, to be honest. I mean, she had done a few things with the school in terms of helping students across France and Italy and so on, but nothing unusual like building a home or helping with a nonprofit and so on. No business background, period. I mean, never did a business elective, never did anything like economics. I think she may have done mathematics, but I wasn't even sure of that. And I'm not even sure she had a high school equivalency in mathematics. Unusual background, really unusual. I mean, even the resume, the way it was written out, it was nothing usual hard stuff we look for. You know, normally when you skim a resume, we look at graduate school, grades, where you worked, what you did when you worked here, and extracurriculars. I mean, we couldn't even see those things. It's kind of like a blob of artistic excellence. And typically, you know, the mistake people make is they just look at GMAT, GPA, the hard stuff. And one of the, the things you got to realize is accomplishment comes in all packages. The only reason I looked at the resume was two reasons. Firstly, I wanted to understand why someone with this background, who looked like she had quite a good career, because I did Google her name to see who she was and how she was performing. She was one of the up-and-comers in her field in Europe, wanted to leave and go into business. I just didn't understand it. So we arranged a screening call for her, and it was a pretty difficult screening call. It wasn't our usual screening calls. It was kind of the ones we now, we've been conducting since, I think, June this year. We had a discussion with her, and what we wanted to understand is to understand whether she could think analytically. That is the most important thing we are looking for, our communication skills, and whether she could talk and have a business discussion with us. And one of the things we've started doing for candidates who've gone through screening calls with us is we talk about a subject they know well. We don't want to talk about a subject you don't know well because that just makes you uncomfortable. So we wanted to talk about, tell us about the artistic industry in Europe. What is the strategy you guys are following to get more people attend your shows? I mean, what is your strategy to get more audience members come in? 
then we asked her, okay, what is your strategy? So if that's your strategy when you perform, what do you think is the strategy for the performance company to manage the business? She talked us through it. So you talked to us, what is your performance strategy? And what is the business management strategy? Are they aligned? So is what the business doing supporting you to do what you want to do as performers? And is what performers doing helping the business accomplish its numerical metrics? And then we started contrasting the strategy. So we asked, okay, what is the difference between, say, the strategy of Cirque du Soleil, both from a business and performing side? And how does it work? And what are the differences? And what we found about it is that she's extremely analytical. And most people make the mistake of saying that, well, you have a math background, you're therefore analytical. And let me point out a common misconception. You can have a PhD in mathematics from MIT and you may not be analytical. And in fact, we ding many PhD candidates with math backgrounds, engineering backgrounds, science backgrounds, because they think they're analytical. But that's not the definition of analytical. If you have a math background, engineering background, you are mathematical. That doesn't make you analytical. What makes you analytical is the following. Are you able to take a problem and break it down, not because you know how to break it down, but to break it down to understand it, to understand what we're asking you to do, and then to rearrange the little pieces that you've broken down to present a solution that makes sense? And we found this lady, Svita, to be extraordinarily analytical. She could attack a problem from multiple angles, understand exactly what we were asking for, and then be able to explain it to us in a very simple language. And what I truly admired about her is that she spoke a language that was easy for us to understand. It could have been very easy for her to have spoken about the arts industry in a fluffy, qualitative aspect, but she spoke to us in a quantitative language. She would tell us something like, the reason why we run this show is because you know, we only have a budget of so many million, and if we had to put in more sort of opera singers, we'd have to pay them a bigger salary. While we could get more revenue, we didn't have the cash to fund it, so we went for this format of the show because it was cheaper to put in this format. We could then slowly build our cash reserves and then hopefully within a year be able to fund the recruitment of an opera singer to be the main attraction of the show. But that kind of detailed, simple thinking and just insightful thinking we didn't expect from her. The second thing I think she did really well is her English was not good. I mean, she had this really nice accent a mix of French, Romanian, didn't understand English well. Clearly, English was weaker than most people's, but that didn't stop her. She would still go ahead. Even if she didn't know the word, she'd put in a word. If she didn't know the word, for example, juxtaposed, diagonal opposites or whatever it is, she would say it in seven separate words to say the same thing. But the point is she had confidence. Analytical had confidence and spoke and kept our attention. That call was an hour-long call and it was quite a tough call because we made sure we, she had the raw material to be able to be a good consultant. Deeply analytical. And I will stress this point again. You can have a degree in arts from Oxford, a degree in history from Cambridge, but you could be more analytical than the person who has an MBA from Harvard. And we look for analytical skills. We look for the ability to understand the drivers of an issue. Understand the issue, understand what's driving the issues, understand the relationships between the drivers. Are they mutually exclusive or are they not? How do the drivers work? What are the options available to management? And she could do this well. She didn't use the words such as drivers. She never used the words like these are the options and so on. But we knew that's what she was saying because even though she didn't say these are the options, she said management could had to do one of the three or four things because really that's all they could do. And she talked us through it. We put her into the program knowing full well that these were the issues we picked up. Language was going to be a problem, but we really didn't think it's going to be a problem because of the way she spoke, confident, and she could hold the conversation. 
And she could build that conversation. She could talk the language we were looking for. And she knew what she was talking about. Extreme confidence. I mean, that really stood out for us. The fact that here's a lady who is talking to former partners from consulting firm. She knows it's going to be a tough interview. She's had no preparation, doesn't know any consultants. She's only realized that, look, you know, she's always wanted to be in business. She never had a chance. For personal reasons, she had to continue in her field to earn the money she needed to take care of her family. But she knows that this is a career that you cannot build it over 20, 30 years. So she has to look to do something different now. And she's always wanted to be in business. And she knows that management consulting could give her what she wants. She took her own initiative to actually fly to some information sessions at UK universities and observe what consultants do. Talked about it articulately, well-spoken, even though she didn't speak English well. But I like the fact that she just moved on. She never got stuck. If she got stuck, she never said, I don't know what to do. Signs of lack of confidence or lack of maturity is when people laugh when they get stuck or they giggle and they say, I don't know what to do. What should I do? Making excuses for us is a big problem. And we watch for that. If someone starts making excuses in a screening call, it's a very bad sign. Never did any of these things. Just such an amazingly well-groomed person. Very, very smart. I mean, obviously totally lacks the business side of things. She can't speak about profit and loss and cost of capital in the way we speak, but she knows the concepts and she understands the concept. She understands that the reason why the firm didn't raise the money from a bank to hire the star ballerina is because the interest rate that'd be charged is too high. Never uses the word cost of capital, but speaks the language. We actually felt a math was not great. A math was good, but not great. But it would be expected for someone who never studied math. And I did notice that she kind of shortcuts she used was someone who had taught themselves math as opposed to someone who had learned math from a, sort of the British education system or the vaunted Eastern European education system for math or the American system. But the shortcuts she learned was effective. We did spend a lot of time teaching her math. Other issues which we didn't realize until after we were brought into the program when we did our first video conference with her, is that while she was very confident in the way she spoke, she was the kind of person who pushed herself very hard. And I mean, when we started having more calls with her, we realized that she would do a training as a ballerina until about 10 o'clock at night. She would then prepare for the next day till about 11.30. And then she would prepare for consulting training till like 1.30 in the morning, which is not conducive. And she'd come in with sleep deprivation and her hands would shake. And we pointed out to her very clearly that she needs to take care of her health. There's nothing we can do to fix that. But if an interviewer sees a hand shaking, bloodshot eyes, there's no way they're going to hire you. No one hires a nervous person. And we had to fight with her, I would say, to get her to change her work hours to stop going to bed at 1.30 in the morning. I mean, the best we could do is let her go to bed at 11 o'clock. And once we realized what she was going through, we actually changed our sessions with her to speak to her much earlier in the day. So we knew that, for example, that the earliest she could do a call was at 10 o'clock in the morning, which unfortunately for us is 5 a.m. in the morning. But we were willing to accommodate her and we sort of moved some other calls around and made sure that we could do it. And then the point is this. Once we managed to get over a two-week period of manager sleeping habits better, the hands that were shaking disappeared, the bloodshot eyes disappeared. We also noticed that she was able to communicate better, even though she was a good communicator. The fact that she was so sleep deprived, she was never able to connect with us. And we did feel that was a problem. As soon as we gave her, I think, a regimen that worked for her, things sort of clicking into place. Her math improved a little bit because she was able to concentrate better. She was able to get them out of sleep, eat better, and just worked a lot better. Networking for her was very easy to do. Obviously, you're a ballerina. People read ballerina on your resume. You're Eastern European. You're single and everyone wants to meet you. And 
one thing we had to point out to her was be very careful with people you network with. People are going to want to meet you just because of who you are, not because they're very interested in your business skills. So there were some problems with networking up front, which we'll not get into. But the point is that after we taught her how to network and how to screen people for better interests, networking went very well for her. She managed to get interviews at BCG and McKinsey. We did point out Bain would be harder. No MBA for her age would have been difficult. She was 26 years old, no MBA. She actually did very well in the interviews, got into BCG second round and McKinsey second round, and she managed to get a McKinsey offer. Outstanding profile of a candidate. She did very well in her final rounds. And what I really liked about it is that she was humble. We meet many talented candidates. I mean, we even trained someone who was an astronaut on the European Space Program, Rhodes Scholars, I mean, just outstanding people. But this lady was humble. Her attitude was that, look, she worked hard. She's done some things that were, you could call them impressive. But her attitude was that other people who had been given the same opportunities would have done just as well. Therefore, she's just grateful for what she had, which I thought was just amazing. Very determined. I've very seen very few candidates work as hard as she did. And the flip side of that was that her determination hurt her initially because we couldn't pinpoint why she was so nervous. It just didn't make sense for someone that confident to be handshaking. But it was sleep deprivation. It was very easy to fix. Always try their best, always trying her best, always just trying to do the best. And I think that was quite surprising about her. And I did find that if we gave her feedback, she would make a material point of going out and finding out how to improve it and come back to her and say, I did the following and this is what I found I could do to improve. Can we practice in the next session? And we'd do it and she'd improve. She followed the regimen we built for her, and we built quite a tough regimen for her because we had to overcome a lot of deficiencies about the language of business and just being able to speak about business in general. Learned the basics very well. We did put her through a program of learning the basics of math and so on and teaching her how to do calculations. I think she did that very well. And I want to summarize what made this candidate exceptional because I think it's important you understand this. She was exceptionally analytical, not mathematical. Do not tell me you're good at math that makes you analytical. We fail a lot of candidates and we've seen a lot of people who are good engineers who just did stellar at their degrees who just can't do simple math problems and cannot break down a problem. Analytical means you question what you're doing. You ask the right questions as opposed to solving the right question. Asking the right questions, breaking it down, being able to communicate, understanding what we are trying to ask of you, that makes you analytical. Understanding root causality is what makes you analytical. Causality is the most important thing. Being able to prove why something you think exists. Very confident. This lady would just continue talking about issues, not letting something like language or the fact she doesn't know a lot about it impede her. If we'd ask her a question like, tell us what's Groupon's business model, she would ask us questions, you know, tell me a bit about this and that, and then she'd be able to construct the business model, which we found very interesting. No one's really engages us in that way because most people think that if I'm running the interview in a certain way, I have to run it that way. But this lady just had the confidence to do it. And I mean, if I had to look at it, I think she probably deserves to be at McKinsey because she has that charisma, she has that presence. And we've followed her career over the last six months. She's obviously done very well. She's going to do big things at McKinsey. I have no doubt she'll rise to partnership with the way she's going. It's up to her if she wants to go to business school. She'll probably do an NCI degree because of age and so on. I don't think she wants to leave Europe anytime soon. But it's important that you understand why she was successful. Being analytical is not about being mathematical. Being confident is not about being arrogant. It's about being able to work with us through difficult questions. Being able to communicate is not doesn't mean speaking well. It's being able to talk to us when you cannot talk to us, when you don't understand the language and you have to struggle to be able to do that. 
And what I find is candidates who have everything, who have all these strong points, still struggle. And here's someone who doesn't have those strong points and is able to put it forward. And she's the impossible student. I mean, on paper, she was impossible. There was just no way anyone was going to look at her resume based on what she had written. And we had to rewrite her resume to bring out the strong points that she wasn't able to bring out. And we had to obviously work on a cover letter very carefully and network her very well. But at the end of the day, you can't keep a star down. She would always shine brightly. And we just had to find a way for her to do that. I'm quite proud of the fact that we placed her and the fact that we've given her this opportunity. I think she'll go very far. And you know, placing her has become a lesson for us as well because it was touch and go whether we would actually have even screened her. We may have even declined her without a call. But it's taught us the importance of just going back to the fundamental of understanding what being analytical means, understanding what communication means, and not judging a book by its cover. And this candidate was exceptional, but it's just the point of being able to groom that exceptionalism and bring it out in a... So I think when you look at your profile, don't look at it at face value and say I'm analytical because you have a, what, a master's in engineering. Don't say you're not analytical because you're a lawyer or a history major. Don't say you don't communicate well because English is not your first language. Communication is about the way you engage me. It's not about what you say. What you say is part of it. How you say it is more important. And your persistence is also equally important. But I think it's an important, I think it's an inspirational message for students who I know getting declined messages now from a lot of firms. It's about the way you prepare and it's about who you prepares you and it's about your attitude you have at the end of the day. But do not look at your resume and profile and face value and say you don't have what it takes. It's what sits behind those points in your resume that determines who you are. And I think most candidates have good backgrounds, but they're just not able to meld it into something formidable. And it's important for you to understand what we look for in screening, but also what consulting firms are looking for, because they look for the same things that we look for. So hopefully with those guidelines, you can think more carefully about your profile and how you want to prepare. But be realistic as well. I mean, she's an exceptional candidate. The analytical side was truly amazing for us. The confidence level was fantastic. The way she spoke was, I think, impressive. If you have that raw material, but you're not sure how to package it, I mean, take the time to think, you know, how can you prepare yourself better? But don't quit. Don't say you don't have an MBA. Don't say you didn't do your undergrad at Harvard and say you have no choice or you have no chances of getting into a consulting firm. It's about what you make of what you have. And as long as you have the raw material there, you can obviously turn this into something quite remarkable. As always, if you have a comment or you have a question, please feel free to send it to us and we'll respond via podcast. And that's it for today's episode. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I enjoyed doing the episode. Finally, I want you to remember that the only way to get access to our special offers, the only way to get our special pricing, and the only way to get samples of our content is to join the list on firmsconsulting.com. It's the only way also to get access to our unique advanced content that we make available to insiders. So if you want to get a sneak peek of things, test it out, see what's in there, this is the place to go. And finally, I want to thank you again for making us one of the largest podcast channels around the world for careers and for the 2 million downloads and counting.